Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Siju. Coming up in this edition, Chinese Premier Li Qiang says China has full confidence and the capability to achieve steady and sustained high-quality development of its economy. Russian President Vladimir Putin says Wagner Group members can join the Russian military, return to their families, or leave for Belarus. And extreme weather events have wreaked havoc as climate change rages on. We start in Asia. Chinese Premier Li Qian has addressed the opening session of the Summer Davos Forum in the northern Chinese city of Tianjin, saying China has full confidence and the capability to achieve steady and sustained high-quality development of its economy. The Chinese Premier called on countries to remain open and pursue cooperation despite hindrances to globalization such as the pandemic. Guan Xing has more. Premier Li delivered the keynote speech, which was the focal point of the forum today. And in his speech, he emphasized openness and cooperation. And these are seen as a key to solving global problems as we face multiple crises from geopolitical conflicts and climate change to food and security, supply chain disruptions. He also says China is capable of maintaining its rapid economic growth and it is ready to share its development opportunities with the world. We have full confidence in the ability to push China's economy toward high-quality development and walk a stable and sustainable path in the long run. This would include a continuous expansion of the market, enhanced cooperation, and creating opportunities for the recovery of the world economy and chances for investors from all countries. And I have spoken to many participants at the forum, and they all agree that countries should rise above their differences and seek win-win cooperation. While confrontation and fragmentation of the global economy could cost up to 7% of the global GDP, and that was according to some authoritative predictions according to the IMF. And the most vulnerable countries and people will be suffering the most. And there is an urgent need to promote openness and cooperation, and they hope to explore more cooperation opportunities with China and welcome China's message of high-level opening up. And Premier Li's message that China is willing to share development opportunities with the world is also well-received by participants. And that China's rebound from the pandemic will create enormous demand and business opportunities for the world. And China alone would contribute about one-third of global growth. And that is about one trillion U.S. dollars, a huge potential to tap into. That was Guan Xing reporting from Tianjin. Moving on to Europe, Russian President Vladimir Putin says Wagner Group members can join the Russian military, return to their families, or leave for Belarus. Putin made the statement in a short address to the nation on television. He also thanked the Russians for showing unity over the past few days. On Monday, Wagner boss Yevgeny Prigozhin said in his first audio message since the failed rebellion that their actions were a march for justice and not a coup attempt. Dasha Chinesheva reports. The Russian president has addressed the nation, saying late night that armed rebellion would have been quelled anyway. He said he was directly involved in decision-making to avoid the bloodshed, and that took time, including for those involved, to sober up their minds. I once again appeal to all citizens of Russia, thank you for your endurance, unity, and patriotism. 
This civic solidarity has shown that any attempt to blackmail us and spur internal chaos are doomed. He said the overwhelming majority of the Wagner fighters are real patriots and may now join the Russian army. But he accused the organizers of the rebellion of betraying the country. This statement by the Russian president follows earlier comments made by the Wagner boss, Evgeny Prigozhin. In his first public comments since leaving the city of Rostov-on-Don on Saturday, Wagner boss said his much of justice, as he describes it, had not been intended to overthrow the Russian government. Prigozhin said his troops had not signed contracts with Russia's Ministry of Defense. He didn't say where he was or what his future plans are. Russian authorities insist the international leaders have supported Moscow in this difficult time, with President Putin holding phone conversations with Iranian and Qatari counterparts. And Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov also said that he was supported by his international colleagues over the weekend. He also said that during the context on the situation with the U.S. ambassador to Russia, Lynn Tracy, she expressed hope that Russia's nuclear weapons will be fine and called the matter an internal one for Russia. Lavrov added that Russian special services are investigating if Western special services were involved in June 24 events. That's Dasha Chinsheva reporting from Moscow. In the Middle East, one of the largest religious gatherings in the world is underway in Saudi Arabia. Millions of Muslims are traveling to Mecca to take part in the annual Hajj pilgrimage. Joining the journey this year is a new wave of Iranians after Iran and Saudi Arabia normalized ties under a China-brokered deal. Isan Kavani reports. In the seven years when Iran and Saudi Arabia had no political relations, the number of Iranians taking part in the Hajj pilgrimage declined substantially. During the COVID pandemic, Saudi Arabia banned international visitors from attending the Hajj and Umrah pilgrimages. Iran always has a large number of applicants to attend the annual Hajj ceremony, which takes place in the last month of the Islamic lunar calendar. Besides, many Iranians are also eager to try the Umrah, which is a pilgrimage to Mecca that can be undertaken at any time of the year. Prior to 2016, as many as half a million Iranians would travel to Saudi Arabia every year to visit the holy cities of Mecca and Medina. The absence of Iranian pilgrims from the Hajj is estimated to have deprived Saudi Arabia of more than $1.3 billion in annual revenue. The economic impact was also felt in Iran's Hajj tourism sector. The closure of embassies for eight years forced hundreds of Hajj travel agencies across Iran to shut down or suspend their activities. Now we hope our guild can recover after the reopening of embassies and more demand for Hajj. The normalization of ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia earlier this year is likely to ease travel with more direct flies expected between the two countries. Although Saudi Arabia is yet to officially reopen its embassy in Tehran, Iranian pilgrims can apply online for visas to attend the Hajj and smaller Umrah pilgrimage to Mecca. To have our visas for the Hajj pilgrimage, only three days to fly to Mecca. Saudi Arabia has accelerated the process of issuing visas. After the embassies were reopened, we had to wait a shorter amount of time with lower expenses. The normalization of ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia can definitely facilitate the visa process for the Hajj pilgrimage.
Besides, Iran's consulate in Jeddah is a source of assurance for the Iranian pilgrims in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has allocated 1.2 million seats for pilgrims this year. Some 90,000 Iranian nationals are set to take part in the Hajj. Many more are expected to travel to Saudi Arabia for the Umrah pilgrimage from July. That's Asan Kavani reporting. And in Africa, Sudan's paramilitary forces have announced a unilateral truce during the Muslim holiday of Eid al-Adha. Leaders of the paramilitary RSF said the truce will be effective on Tuesday and Wednesday. The announcement came after the group took over the main base of a well-equipped police establishment in Khartoum on Sunday. Talks between the RSF and the Sudanese army have been postponed until after Eid. In Egypt, firefighters are searching for survivors under the rubble of a 13-story apartment building that collapsed in Alexandria City. At least four people have been reported injured in the incident in the Egyptian coastal city, which is a popular holiday destination in the country. Authorities in Alexandria say the building was built in the 1970s and had been declared unsafe and at risk of collapsing. Adela Maruki reports. Standing just tens of meters away from Alexandria's coastline, the collapsed building was popular with holidaymakers as it allowed them to enjoy a scenic view of the Mediterranean Sea. But for many families, this summer turned into a disaster. Smoke could be seen billowing out of the rubble as a blaze raised the building. After putting the fire out, Egyptian civil defense troops meticulously climbed over the building remains to begin the search for survivors. At this stage, it's not clear how long the rubble search and rescue operation will take. It's clear that the entire building collapsed, so the weak points that caused that could go all the way down to the building's foundation. Rescue operations will take time because they will be lifting one floor after the other. The rescue teams will have to treat carefully and slowly as any wrong calculation or sudden movement could lead to further collapses and possibly harm any survivors. The building had 13 floors each, having five apartments totaling to at least 65 units. A 14th floor that had been illegally built was demolished this year, which could have led to further structural damage. We have more than 2,400 buildings at risk of collapsing. The weather conditions, climate change and the humidity in Alexandria affected its structural safety. Some of these buildings are classified as heritage or attached to other buildings, so you can't demolish them without certain engineering standards and approvals from a heritage department. Alexandria has high humidity and salinity. Back when these old buildings were built, the construction regulations and rules did not match today's safety regulations. More safety risks appear in coastal cities because humidity and salinity affect the concrete and can lead to rust in iron bars used. That's why in Alexandria, building safety issues are more common. The authorities evacuated at least three buildings that shared walls with the collapsed one, as fears of extended damage grew. The Egyptian Urban Planning Ministry says 2.8 million buildings violated government construction regulations during the period between 2000 and 2017. Some 2.6 million buildings in Egypt have received demolition notices after being inspected and found to have a high risk of collapsing. That was Ada al Maruki reporting in Egypt. In North America, a United Nations investigator is calling on the U.S. government to apologize for its treatment of Guantanamo Bay prisoners. Speaking after visiting the facility, Special Rapporteur Fionel Neoling said breaching fundamental human rights does not make the world safe. 
Jody Jacobs reports. The UN Special Repertoire said that the US government's treatment of Guantanamo Bay inmates was cruel, inhumane and degrading under international law. Torture was a betrayal of the victims of 9-11. It limited their capacity to have trial. It limited their capacity to have legal proceedings. And that's evident already. We've been in pre-trial proceedings in, uh, in various trials for now almost a decade. And of course, if we name significantly what's preventing legal proceeding, it is the fact of torture. The United Nations has called for Washington to apologize and to provide reparations not only to the 9-11 detainees, but to the families of the victims of 9-11, as well as previous detainees. Nia Olin said now that she has concluded her visit to the U.S. facility, she will be requesting other member states to give her access to theirs. The cost of torture is an annihilation of the rights of the victims of terrorism. And those who perpetrate it must live with the moral cost and the moral harm that they have perpetrated, particularly on the victims of torture. This was the first time, according to the United Nations, that a UN expert was allowed to visit Guantanamo Bay. She said that the vast majority of former detainees continue to experience sustained human rights violations and that the US government must be held accountable. The Special Repertoire's report also detailed many structural shortcomings that included training, operating procedures and the fulfillment of detainees' rights to health care, family counsel and justice. That was Judy Jacobs reporting from New York. Extreme weather events have wreaked havoc in several countries in different parts of the world as climate change rages on. In the United States, severe storms have caused widespread damage in the country, causing at least one death and leaving 700,000 people without power. Lisa Soledad Paris has more. Multiple tornadoes hit portions of the Midwest and south of the United States on Sunday, killing at least one person in Martin County, Indiana. Authorities say another person was injured while the search for victims continued on Monday morning. The tornadoes hit other counties in Indiana as well. The Johnson County Sheriff's Department reported extensive damage to neighborhoods and homes and have asked the public to avoid the area, while several road closures were already in place. The storms also affected portions of the South. Strong winds and rain hit Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee and Georgia, leaving more than 700,000 customers without power. And that's according to the utility company MLGW. Meteorologists believe all the storms are a product of the hot and humid air. Texas is experiencing its third week of record-breaking heat and humidity. This unrelenting weather took another life in Texas. Officials said a Florida teenager died from extreme heat while hiking in Big Bend National Park in Texas. The stepfather also died while trying to seek help. Now, nearly 40 million people from Arizona to Alabama are under heat alerts as temperatures rise this Monday. Here in Florida, it's extremely hot, and we're expecting more heat advisories later in the week. That was Nisa Soledad Paris reporting. Before we go, let's recap on today's top stories. China's Premier Li Qiang says China has full confidence and the capability to achieve steady and sustained high-quality development of its economy. Russian President Vladimir Putin says Wagner Group members can join the military, return to their families or leave for Belarus. 
and extreme weather events have wreaked havoc as climate change rages on. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thanks for listening.